The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. What's the point? What's the point? Right? You've probably asked that before. What's the point? Maybe you've spent way too much time playing some video games recently. Or you've been watching a lot of Netflix, and then after it's over, you're going, what's the point? Maybe it's like a game that like never stops. And you're like, what's the point of this? At some point, you kind of get to the, you run out, and you're like, I don't even know why I spent all this time watching that or doing that. Or maybe uh, you're, you're, um, you know, you're rooting for your favorite team, not during this season because there's no teams to root for. But, you know, have you ever had a favorite team and you're just rooting for them and rooting for them and at the end of the season, your team lost? Or they won. And it was all said and done. You were like, what was the point of all that? I've, ha- I've had that feeling. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan. And so I've had a lot of seasons where they won. But after it was all said and done, I didn't win anything. They won. And I, okay, so right now, I want you on your comments section. Hey, you tell me who your favorite team is. All right? And... After you tell me who your favorite team is, you can boo me for the Yankees, but I also want you to tell me what you have spent a lot of time doing, and after you were done doing it, you were like, what was the point? What are you going after that you kind of wonder what's the point? And let me ask you this, what's the point of it all? What's the point of life? There it is, there's the mother of all questions. And some of you, you, you've tried a long time to avoid that question, or maybe you've even tried to numb yourself so you didn't have to deal with that question, or maybe you've gotten so distracted and you've preoccupied yourself so you never had to answer that question. But kind of like during this pandemic season, we're all being forced to begin to deal with that question, aren't, aren't we? Because we're trying to make sense of it all. You're trying to make sense of it all, aren't you? Why is this happening? Why is this? Why is that? Why am I out of work? Why am I one that's still working? Why did my neighbor lose their job? Why are they suffering? And we begin to ask a lot of why questions, wondering what the point of it all is. And when we wrestle with it, many come to this conclusion, that it's about happiness, about me being happy and me making others happy. Kind of like we borrow that because that's a very American idea, but I know if you're joining us from another country, you probably feel the same way, right? But we have it embedded into our Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among them, life, liberty, and happiness. No, no, no. We don't believe that that's an inalienable right. Just the pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right. Do you get that? That's exactly what it is. It's a pursuit, an endless pursuit of happiness, but you're chasing the carrot, but never taking hold. It's climbing a peak, but you never get to the summit. The moment you get to the top, you look up and there's another peak. And so you've got to get to that because that is where your happiness is. That is where you find fulfillment. And what is your summit that you're climbing? What carrot are you chasing? What what game of life are you playing? And no matter what you do, you can't get to the end of the game. You can't win it. Maybe it's your job or your income. Well, what about now? When that's either been lost or in peril. 
If it's income, what about right now when you, that's all up in the air and maybe your finances aren't so stable? Is that really worth putting at the very center of your life? Or maybe for you, you've spent a lot of your life thinking that your friends, hanging out with friends, was really what fulfilled you. And what are you doing right now when that isn't working out? And maybe that's why so many people are just ignoring the social distancing expectations and just getting together with people because they, that's what fulfills them at the core of who they are. Or maybe for you it's romance or some type of a love relationship and now you're apart and the social distancing has made that romance grow cold. Or maybe you're spending all of your time together and it's making the fire of romance grow cold. So what are you doing right now? What's fulfilling you? Or, you know, maybe it's adventure and you can't go out and have any adventure. What you're discovering right now is that all of the things that you and I try to put at the center of our life to find fulfillment can no longer fulfill us. And the reality is when we look back, they weren't really fulfilling us to begin with. They were just entertaining us or numbing us from actually tackling the real question, which is what is the point of it all? And so I'm gonna bring you to a book of the Bible. And if you're brand new to Lifehouse or you're, you're joining us and you're, you're not really into the Bible or you're kind of asking questions about God, I want you to know, that first of all, that's okay. And second of all, let me put it in context for you. This, this book I'm going to bring you to, it's called Ecclesiastes, which means uh, the teacher. And uh, it, he's not a preacher, he's just teaching. And it's this old guy, Solomon, who had been uh, the king of the nation of Israel, and he's getting ready to end his reign, and his life is about to come to an end. He's about to die. And so he writes this book like a, a last will and testament, like he's teaching the next generation his experience. And so you're kind of sitting down at the lap of great grandpa. And he's just kind of sharing his thoughts. He's the son of the greatest king, the most famous king of the nation of Israel, David. And he, he has ruled over the nation in peace. And he writes this book to really get a, give us insight into what the point of life is. And so I'm going to jump in. The very first verse of Ecclesiastes right, reads this way, the words of the teacher. So there it is. That's where we get the title, Ecclesiastes. The teacher, son of David. That's uh, Solomon, king of Israel. And then here it is. He's going to start right off the bat with his most important teaching. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Nice. Really encouraging. I mean, I kind of hope that when my kids are online in online school, that their teachers aren't jumping onto a Zoom call and going, I just want you students to know everything is meaningless. The most important teaching I can give you is it's all meaningless. But he's actually driving somewhere with this. He goes, the sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. And then he, and then he just continues and he says, all things are wearisome. More than, more than one can say, the eye never has enough of seeing nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. And then let's just keep going. He's just gonna keep teaching. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I applied my mind to study and to explore wisdom and all that is done under the heavens. What is crooked cannot be straightened, and what is lacking cannot be counted. You kind of get where he's going. He, he's basically lived his whole life 
He's experienced the best and the worst of life, and he goes, you know what I've discovered? There is no point. I, <laughs> hey, welcome to LifeHouse. If you're joining us for brand new, I want you to know that the greatest, most wisest man in all of history, his conclusion was, after surveying all of life, his most important teaching was, yep, there really is no point. It's all meaningless. But here's where he's really driving. At the core of the nation of Israel, you know what they put at the center? Religion. You know what fulfilled them? Following the rules of God. And what Solomon is saying is you can try to follow all of the rules and it won't fulfill you. You can, you can have all the fun and it won't make you happy. You can earn all the income and it will never be enough. You can have all kinds of romance and the hot passion of, you know, the red hot fire of passion and it will eventually burn out. It's all meaningless. So a thousand years later, Right, Solomon is writing around 930 BC. And a thousand years later, Jesus provides the same answer that Solomon concludes his book with. Now I'm gonna give you that in just a few moments, but Jesus actually gives us the key. It's found in the book of Matthew. It's um, Jesus' teaching and his, this eyewitness captures this moment. This guy, Matthew, who Jesus invited to follow him. Later, Matthew records the life and teachings of Jesus, and he captures this moment when Jesus gives us the key to life. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest? What's the most important rule? If we're going to follow the rules, which is the most important in all the law? And Jesus replied, let me tell you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And uh, what's the point? Jesus goes, if you're looking for meaning, if you're searching for something to put at the center of your life, if you're looking for something to fulfill and fill your life, nothing will ever satisfy or fulfill because at the core of who we are, you and I were made eternal. There's an eternal aspect to our being. And so we keep putting temporary things to fill an eternal desire. And so Jesus brings us to a place and he goes, no, no, no. The only way to fill an eternal void is with eternal love. God has to be at the center. So how do you overcome chasing carrots and find meaning in life so that you don't spend your life concluding what Solomon concluded, that it's all meaningless, there is no point? You and I have to live centered. Can I encourage you? Maybe even just type that into the comment section right now. Maybe just turn to a person in the room next to you and say, live centered. Which means you can't put at the center of your life what you're currently putting at the center. Why does what we're putting at the center not fulfill us? Because you and I have an eternal void. We are eternal beings. So all of these temporary things can never fill us because it's impossible. Why is it impossible? Because the eternal part of who we are it has an appetite, a craving for more and more and more. And so you're climbing the mountain, but you never arrive. You're climbing the ladder of success, but you never get there. Why? Because no matter what you put in, it never fills that eternal hole because you and I that eternal void is created by a problem inside of us, a spiritual problem called sin. Where from the very beginning of time, the beginning of our lives, we were separated from God. That's what sin does. 
Because sin separates us from God, we spend our entire lives eternally and spiritually bankrupt, empty. And so we keep sticking stuff in there, believing that happiness will be the meaning. A relationship will be the meaning. Love will be the meaning. Success, achievement, education, distractions, and addiction will be the meaning. And it doesn't work because this sin constantly robs us, sabotages us, empties us, separates us from relationship with God, and leaves us on a life course of not only emptiness, but of ruin and destruction where we spend our whole lives separated from God, headed toward an eternity void of God. But God was unwilling to leave us that way. And so God entered into our world not to demand us to love him. I want you to hear this. This is vital. God is not coming and demanding you to love him. That, that's what Solomon was talking about. He was saying religion won't work. You can follow all of the rules and it won't fulfill you. Because what you and I need at the center of our life is a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, how can you have that? You didn't chase God. God chased you. You're not pursuing Jesus. Jesus pursued you and he came to you. He came to us. He came to his world. He entered into it, not just to teach and not just to love and not just to do miracles, but to die on a cross, to give his life as the payment for our judgment. The eternal void without God had to be filled through Jesus' death but then completely paid for. Our death sentence was paid for in Jesus' death and that eternal void inside of us filled through the power of Jesus' resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered death, he freed us from sin, and he gave us the power and the victory of eternal life. So when you believe in Jesus by faith, he doesn't just give you new life, he fills you with his life. How? God's spirit, which is eternal and invisible, is invited into your spirit. In fact, I would encourage you right now. I believe there are many of you who you're, you're participating with us right now, and you've been putting other things at the center of your life, and you know it. And right now, you're feeling it. Maybe for you, there's tears running down your face, or maybe you're nudging somebody else, or maybe you're alone right now. I wanna encourage you to take a big step with me, a step of commitment, to put Jesus Christ at the center of your life. How are you gonna do that? You're gonna make a commitment and you're gonna pray. You're gonna say, Jesus, I believe in you by faith. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and give me new life. And if you're making that commitment, you are being raised to life. That's right, you are being raised to life. And because you're being raised to life, I want you to let us know. Maybe it's just putting it in the comment section raised to life, but I would love it. This would be tremendous. Why would I love it? Because we want to help you as you take that next step. And so what I want you to do is I want you to text raised to life to 41411. All one word, raised to life to 41411. Look, I know that you're making this commitment and I realize it's easy for you to just brush off this moment. I, from the tenderness of my heart, can I ask you to take a moment right now and you let us know. You text. Literally, this is the number you're texting, and you write in the, in, the, in the text part of it, raised to life. Why? Because we want to follow up with you and encourage you. I know you're, you're sheltering at home. I know you're in quarantine, but I promise you, we're going to follow up with you and encourage you as you begin this new journey of relationship with God. 
through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the key to this commitment and the key to every one of us, you want your life to not just be a constant pursuit of chasing carrots. You and I have to live centered on Jesus. That's the key. What I'm challenging you with is live centered on Jesus. But that's not just for those of you that right now are saying, I'm being raised to life. This is for every one of us because too many of us who believe in Jesus are like the nation of Israel that Solomon was talking to and it's just a bunch of rules. You're praying a bunch of rules. You're, 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 um, you believe in Jesus, but you believe in Jesus like it's a religion and you're trying to, you're trying to uh, force yourself through commitment to, to accomplish something and you're, but you're still looking for meaning in other things. You know what the meaning of life is? To live centered on Jesus. Only he can truly satisfy. You have a God-shaped void inside of you that only Jesus can fulfill. Now, let me jump in and give you the, the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. This is going back to Solomon as he's looking ahead to meaning. He, he's lived his whole life. and He goes, you know what the point is? Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. And then he continues. He goes, remember him. Before the silver cord is severed. The silver cord, you know, there's a couple different uh, authors have different views or interpretations of this. But it's possible basically the silver cord would have held the lamp in a home. The light of the house. And he's saying, what holds the light of your life before that's cut? He's talking about death. And the golden bowl is broken. The golden bowl, uh, the lamp, or a, a, a critical vessel in the house. And before the pitcher is shattered, the pitcher that you would use to bring water from the well. Water is a vital part of life. He goes, before your life is cut off and the wheel broken at the well. Well, how do you get the water out of the well? He goes, basically what he's saying is before the devastation of death hits. You know what I want you to do? He goes, and the dust returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to the God who gave it. He goes, you know what the point of this is? You and I, we need to center on God since we were created by God. He goes, when you're young, before life becomes troublesome, so maybe you're a young person here and you're thinking, well, I'll, I'll worry about God someday. No, you focus on putting God at the center now. Only when God is at the center does anything else make sense. Don't put your education, your schooling, I, I don't care if it's online or not, I don't care if you're in college or you're in high school, you're in middle school. Maybe you're a working parent and you're going back to school. So you're a young person before trouble hits. Put God at the center. Maybe you're at the later stages of life. Look, before death comes, put God at the center. Why? Because you were created by God. He is both your creator and your sustainer. He is your source and the meaning of your life. You have a void inside of you that only God can fulfill. And do you, you think the point of it is? Okay, so many of you, what you're thinking is this. Okay, I gotta put God as the top priority. No, he did not say, make God the top priority, and then your spouse the second priority, and then your children next, and then work, and then church, and then friends. That's not what, that's not what Ecclesiastes is teaching. That's not what Jesus taught. He, when Jesus was teaching, he goes, you know what the most important commandment is? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your thinking, with all of your emotion and your spirit. You know what he's saying? Put God at the center. 
God doesn't want to be your top priority. He wants to be the center of it all. God is life. Without God, there is no true life. There's just empty living. There's chasing carrots. But when God is at the center, here's what's changed. We have life in us, true and forever life. And then that life begins to pour into every other aspect of our life. Our challenge is this. We try to make good things the thing. We try to make good things a God-size thing. But when we put God at the center, then we bring God into everything. God wants to be at the center so that he can be at the center of your marriage. He wants to be at the center and then be at the center of your parenting, right? He doesn't want to be first place and then your wife, like now you get to put God aside and focus on your wife and then put that aside and focus on your kids, put that aside and focus on your work. No, no, no. No compartmentalizing with God. He wants to be at the center. He wants to be at the center of your marriage. He wants to be at the center of your relationship with your kids. He wants to be at the center of your home right now as you shelter at home. He wants to be at the center of your work even as you're working from home. He wants to be, or you're an essential worker and you're going to work. He wants to be at the center of that. And that's how you avoid burning out. He wants to be at the center of your finances, even if you're stressed about finances. Maybe you just got your uh, stimulus uh, check or deposit. He wants to be at the center of that. He wants to be at the center of your desires, of of your agenda, of your hopes and dreams. The teacher continues in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 as we're getting to the very end. He goes, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. Now, is he saying be scared of God? No, he goes, he goes fear what God fears and love what God loves. Make it your focus so that you want to please God. You know, who, you know I can tell you who you fear, whoever you most want to please. And so what he's saying is, you fear God because you most want to please God and keep his commands. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. You know what he's driving at here? We center on God since we were created for God. The first time I said it, I said you were created by God. Since he is our creator, we have to understand that he is our sustainer. He is both our creator and our center. He is our source and our sustainer, right? And so he is not just our top priority. He's at the center of everything. But not only is he at the center of everything, we were created for God. And only when you, only when you live centered do you discover that everything you're, you're doing is not for you or even for others but for God. You were created by God. You were created for God. This is worship. Worship is anything we do that pleases God. Do you know that the end of man is the glory of God? You were designed to bring God glory, to make much of God, to, to lift high the name of God, to exalt God in your life so that when others see the way you live, they see much of God. When your life comes to an end, the glory of God through your life will have been made visible. You were designed to make much of God. And so your work can be worship. Your words can be worship. Your marriage and your parenting and your lifestyle can be worship. Right now, you've been given a prime opportunity when everything has been stripped away to put God at the center and then say, God, now I want my life to focus on making much of you. 
How can you make much of God? By how you help others. How can you love God by loving others well in your home and loving your neighbors and loving those in need? How can you serve God by serving those in your home and serving those in need? Serving those, if you're an essential worker, you're serving those in need right now. If you're a non-essential worker and you're working from home, you're serving others by honoring the expectations of social distancing. You're literally loving your neighbors by protecting them from getting sick. You can worship in social distancing. You can worship God in your work. You can worship God in the way you lead your family. What better time than right now to make much of God? I want to just take a moment and I want to pray over you right now. This is a tremendous opportunity that you're making a commitment right now to live centered. Live centered on Jesus. And with God at the center, you recognize that you were created by God and you were created for God. And so you're putting God at the center of your life and the center of everything. So I want to pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, we're awed by you. You created us for purpose. You created us for meaning, and yet we spend our whole lives struggling with what's the point. But right now we discover the point is you. You created us, and you gave us life so we could find our life in you and make much of you. So God, forgive us for putting anything else at the center. Forgive us for making good things the thing and trying to take good things and make them a God-sized thing. God, right now we're putting you at the center. And there are some that in this service, they've said yes to Jesus and they're being raised to life and we're celebrating with them. Others, they believe in Jesus, but they've been trying to find other things to put at the center. And they're constantly looking for more because it's never enough. And right now, God, what we're saying is you are more than enough. Would you say this with me? Right now, would you just say amen and amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.